It's 1207, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. The hypocrisy is stunning. Al Franken, of course, the liberal ex-comedian now in the U.S. Senate who is taking pictures of himself groping or apparently mugging for the camera while pretending to grope a, a sleeping colleague who now has no intention of resigning from the U.S. Senate. Um, and, of course, it's interesting. For Republicans, I think that's fine because, as I've been saying, you know, going on the last week or so since that story broke, you know, any time anytime any Democrat now in 2018 wants to say, hey, look at Republicans, you've got this Roy Moore in Alabama who may very well win the election. He's ahead by five points in the last poll I saw. Um, and, and any Republican, well, that, that runs in 2018 is going to have to be linked to Roy Moore. Well, okay, all you have to do is run an ad showing that picture of Al Franken mugging for the camera with his hands extended. It seems to me that um, that kind of ends that discussion. But anyhow, about a week ago in the Washington Post, there was Garrison Keeler who's producing the show. Do you know who Garrison Keeler is? Um, you know, um, Lake Wobegon and, you know, uh, just, you know, he was he was the star of, uh, of NPR with the whole Lake Wobegon thing. And, and he's retired, but he still produces documentaries. I, I will be honest with you. I never got that show, but but that's OK. I'm not really an NPR type of guy. But, you know, Garrison Keeler wrote a piece in the Washington Post Headlined, Al Franken should resign? That's absurd. This is what he wrote about a week ago. And there's the operative paragraph. And then there is Senator Al Franken. He did USO tours overseas when he was in the comedy biz. He did it from deep in his heart, out of patriotism. And the show he did was broad comedy of a sort that goes back to the Middle Ages. Shakespeare used those jokes now and then, and so did Bob Hope and Joey Heatherton when they entertained the troops. If you thought that Al stood outdoors in bases in Iraq and Afghanistan and told stories about small-town life in the Midwest, you are wrong. On the flight home, in a spirit of low comedy... Al ogled Ms. Tweeden and pretended to grab her, and a picture was taken. Eleven years later, a talk show host in L.A., she goes public, and there is talk of resignation. This is pure absurdity, and the atrocity it leads to is a code of public deadliness. No kidding. So Garrison Keillor saying, oh, Al Franken. Now, of course, the story that this woman tells about Al Franken is that he tried to stick his tongue in her mouth. I apologize. I know this is the noon hour. He tried to kiss her. She rebuffed his sexual advances. He treated her like crap during the entire tour because she rebuffed his advances. And then she's exhausted. She falls asleep and Franken takes the picture. We don't know if he actually grabbed her or not. All we know is that at the end of the tour from you-know-what, because of the way Franken treated this woman, he's mocking like he's groping her with that you-know-what-eating grin on his face. And Garrison Keillor is defending this, saying, well, it was low comedy. You know, all right, give me a break. I thought, oh, this just shows how, when I first saw this, this kind of shows how far the left will go to try to justify, you know, bad behavior and the stunning hypocrisy. Well, now it gets even better. The story just breaking is apparently Garrison Keillor has now been let go from Minnesota Public Radio. Like I say, he retired um, his show, but he has been a producer. Um, he apparently says that he has been fired 
um, among allegations of improper behavior. His story is, well, I think it's a story that is much more interesting and more complicated than the version MPR, Minnesota Public Radio, heard. So we don't know exactly what he did, but um, there is, again, this irony and this hypocrisy. The guy who's rushing to defend Alf, the would-be groper Franklin, well, now it turns out, a week later, he's on his butt. Okay. We start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Story number one, breaking news this morning, Matt Lauer gone from the Today Show. Now, let me let me just start off with this. First of all, if you were watching this this morning, if you want to talk about the definition of a really, really crummy boss, the, a boss that you would not want to work for, you saw that this morning. Um, the guy that runs NBC News is a guy named Andrew Lack. Right. Apparently what happened is Lack made the decision sometime late last night or early, really early this morning to fire Matt Lauer. All right. Instead of him going on TV and making this announcement, he hung out Savannah Guthrie, who is Lauer's partner. Apparently they call her up in the middle of the night, uh, which is when you get up if you do the Today Show, and said, oh, by the way, Savannah, how you doing? Sorry to wake you up. We've just canned your partner. <laughs> We've just canned Matt Lauer, and I am issuing a statement that I want you to read. It was, uh, I mean, very, very awkward watching this because clearly she's stunned. They brought in that Hoda whoever, and she's sitting there next to him, and, and they're stunned. They're told that they have to read the statement, and then they have to react to it. Any decent human being you know, would have actually gone on TV himself and done it instead of dumping it off on the partner. So that tells you Andy Lack to begin with. But anyhow, the reports are, and we, we don't know all the details, but the New York Post appears to be all over this. The New York Post is saying that these allegations go back to um, the Olympics a couple years ago, and the allegations are that um, he had improper, you know, did something improper with somebody when they were at the Olympics back in 2014. So this has been floating around for a while. Now, the claim is that the the woman who was harassed or victimized didn't actually formally go to human resources until Monday morning. Um, but And then they said, okay, well, as soon as we found out about these reports, we immediately investigated it. We determined that there was a basis for this happening. We also have reason to believe that there are other now that we found out on Monday when the woman reported this to Human Resources, we then we now believe that there are other people that are out there, and so you know we we fired him. So look look at us, how wonderful we are. Well, there is more to the story. Um, apparently, Variety, which is the entertainment magazine out in California, as well as the New York Times, has been aggressively investigating the Matt Lauer story for several weeks now. Um, and so this isn't just, gee, we just found out about this. I mean, there's been allegations going on for quite a while. Matter of fact, you know, Matt Lauer is sort of known as kind of being 
oh, a rake, a scoundrel, a, a womanizer. He's got a real interesting relationship with his wife. You know, they filed for divorce a number of years ago, and now we're kind of back together, but they appear to live separately. You know, that's between you know him and his wife. But these allegations, or at least, you know, issues about his behavior have been out in rumored for a long time. NBC says, we just found out about this Monday, and that's why we're acting very quickly. All right. 414-799-1620. This is big story number one. This is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right. Call me cynical. I don't believe for one minute that NBC wasn't aware of allegations or questionable behavior by Matt Lauer until last Monday. I just don't believe that. My belief of what happened is they found out that you had the New York Times and Variety and who knows what else, you know, sniffing around, getting ready to break stories. And so what they did is they jumped in ahead of time to try to make a preemptive strike and say, we were shocked, shocked to find out that gambling was going on, shocked to find out that our star, you know, uh, guy on, on today's show was involved in sexual harassment. And again, I, I what. I felt the same way when PBS and CBS dumped Charlie Rose a couple weeks ago. And then you have this whole pattern. Well, we were shocked to find out that there were all these different people out there that said that they were harassed. 414-799-1620. I think this is less a genuine concern about sexual harassment in the workplace and more a kind of CYA um, thing saying we're going to try to get in front of a story that we either knew about or should have known about for a long time but chose to look the other way. 414-799-1620. Let's discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. By the way, hypocrisy alert. If, if Look, if, if you're thinking about feeling sorry for Matt Lauer, Google Matt Lauer, Bill O'Reilly. You might remember after Bill O'Reilly got fired for his own sexual harassment problems at Fox News, he went on to Today's show and he did an interview with Matt Lauer. And Lauer, in retrospect, you want to talk about somebody who was incredibly sanctimonious. Well, he's asking him questions like, Bill. You know, in retrospect, don't don't you think that you should have been, I don't know, more, more compassionate towards your coworkers? Don't you agree that this behavior towards women was inappropriate? Just go back and look at that Today Show interview and the things Matt Lauer was saying to Bill O'Reilly. And if you've got any sympathy at all for Matt Lauer, it, it goes out the window because it's huge hypocrisy alert. My point, though, is, you know, NBC, admittedly the woman who says that she was harassed during the uh, 2014 Sochi Olympics, she actually walks into Human Resources Monday afternoon and files a report. So NBC saying, hey, we investigated this, and within 24 or 36 hours, he's gone. Look how great we are. Well, the truth is that these allegations have been around for a long time, these and all sorts of others. New York Times is getting ready to do a story. Variety is getting ready to do a story. My belief is that NBC acted only when they realized that the whistle was going to be blown and this idea that we're coming in with clean hands, you will never convince me, just like you'll never convince me that PBS and um, CBS didn't know about or shouldn't have known about all the stuff with Charlie Rose. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jeff on the north side. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. 
Jeff. Okay, let's try Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I think there's another thing, too, that um, forced your hand in the fact that you remember when the Harvey Weinstein story came out, mm-hmm. the reporter took that to NBC first, and they refused to run that story. Yeah, Ronan so Farrow. R- Ronan Farrow, yeah. Yeah, Ronan Farrow had that for a year, and NBC kept saying, well, we don't think you have it. We don't think you have it. Well, he had it. He had it cold, and the network decided, we just don't want to rattle the cages of these powerful people. No, I think yeah, you're... I, I think it was just the start, too. There's going to be there's going to be so much more of this stuff. It's going to be well, unbelievable. Well, it is. I mean, th- thanks for calling. Again, I, I mean, it's... You always have to look at this type of stuff, and, and you have to say, okay, what 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 happened here, and how long ago was the conduct, and you know, are these other allegations and all? But uh, again, in many of these cases, I think what you find is that there is is a pattern of this. And, you know, in the case of Matt Lauer, it, it doesn't appear to be any sort of secret that the guy was, in fact, a, a womanizer. And I guess I just think, especially with these very, very high-profile people, you know, the Charlie Roses of the world, well, okay, his, his producers, they people knew this was going on. It's just like the Washington Press Corps with some of these people. You say, well, you know, the women all knew that there are certain people that you don't get in the elevator with because they're grabbers or whatever. Well, why wasn't that reported years ago? I, I mean, seriously, if that stuff was going on, why wasn't it reported? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to John in Madison. John, you're on WTMJ. Why wasn't it? John, you got to turn down your radio. John, John okay, got to let John go. we got to turn down the radio or else you hear yourself seven seconds later, and it makes us both crazy. Dave on the south side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, you remember uh, Katie Couric, who uh, used to sit with... Uh, Matt right. Lauer, don't you? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, for many years. And uh, she was in an interview maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago that I seen, and she said every uh, show started by Matt Lauer uh, patting her on the ass. Yeah, that's so. that. Yeah, right. It, it's. I mean, there's all that type of stuff. No, thanks. Yeah. Right, you're right, Katie. Right, Katie Couric. That's you know, she was saying, oh, you, he used to always grab. Now, I, I you know, you you want to, I I want to be careful. When it comes to, you know, condemning workplace interaction, because I I do think there is a difference between harmless banter between co-equals and and sexual harassment and and and, and there, there, there's just i mean there's just a difference okay katie couric and matt lauer teasing each other you know both as equals um i i don't know her patting him on the shoulder or, or whatever and, and katie couric's the type of person that if if she thought you know him you know patting her on the butt was offensive katie couric could have easily stood up and said matt knock that off that that's offensive so I, I, I mean, I watched that interview, Dave, as a matter of fact, and, and I didn't get the sense that she felt that she was offended or, or being victimized or any sense like that. They were co-equals. There's no question in my mind in that situation. And she could have certainly spoken up if she felt that she was being inappropriately touched. But that's not what this story appears to be. This story appears to be, um, again, somebody in a position of power harassing you know a subordinate and uh appears that there are other situations like that uh, again my point here 
you know, whatever happens to happens, whatever happens to Matt Lauer happens to Matt Lauer. I'm sure he saved his money. I'm sure he's going to do very well, just like Garrison Keeler and just like all the rest. I mean, they got a bunch of money in the bank. You know, that that's fine. I'm not going to be worried about them. I just think it's these it's the bosses. It's the networks trying to take this holier than now attitude. And my guess is my guess is allegations or at least rumors about Matt Lauer were well known in the halls of NBC. And, you know, they just chose to look the other way. Um, because, hey, you know, today's the Today Show is one of our cash cows. You know, he's one of our big stars on today. So let's just look the other way. And this idea that we only found out about it Monday, you'll never convince me of that. Because, like I say, the New York, maybe this, that, that might be a technically accurate statement that they put out. Because, again, the woman who claimed she was harassed only went to Human Resources on Monday. But like I say, the New York Times was all over this. Other publications were all over this. NBC had to know that he was under investigation, and they probably knew a couple weeks ago. Because my guess is the first time one of those reporters starts asking around, somebody starts talking. So, uh, again, you know whether he's fired or not, okay, that's a decision they made. I don't know all the different the details of it. But this, oh, gee, you know, look how responsible we are. You'll never convince me of that. It is 1226. Big story number two is coming up. The stock market is going through the roof. People don't appear to be concerned that we might be on the verge of war with North Korea. Stick around. We'll discuss. 1226. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Trent Hundley and the Packers are desperately in need of a win this Sunday as they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach Mike McCarthy takes us behind the scenes of the team's preparations. That is tomorrow. Tune in, 625 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Okay, so Monday night was was the big WTMJ Christmas event, and I, I at Turner Hall. I, I hadn't been on that side of the Bradley Center for a while. I, I'd actually, I've been downtown quite a bit, so I've been seeing the, the Bucks Arena and how it's developed, but I hadn't gotten a chance to see it from uh, looking from, from the east, looking west. Um, so I really got a chance to, to see what appears to be at least a portion of the front of it. Huh. There's a story in the paper today that talks about how how much the how much the arena, the new arena, looks like this remodeled car wash in Brookfield. It, it's it's actually kind of a dead ringer. It almost looks like the architects for the arena ripped off the design of the car wash. So that that's I, I'm now I'm going to be thinking of that every time I see it. And again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And once it gets opened up and lit up, maybe it's going to be beautiful. But I have to tell you, my first reaction now seeing it as it's constructed, what a butt ugly thing. Did the guy did the guy who thought it was a good idea to put that ugly orange statue, the sunburst at the end of Wisconsin Avenue, is that who did the design? It, it really, it, you know, they're calling it a keg. It, it's not. It's like a bad comb over. This, this is, and that's not an original line, I know, but it looks like a bad comb over. And every time you look at it, I'm just going to think of a bald guy kind of parting his hair, whatever hair he's got left, down by his right ear and going all the way over the top of his head. It, it's it's not the keg. It's the comb over. Who thought? Now, again, I want to be fair. Maybe once they light it up, it's going to be impressive and all. But, man, man, who was the architect on that bad boy? Just saying. All right. When we come back. 
big thing number two and three. We're we'll talking North Korea. And by the way, it's Tom Barrett's idea as to how to get you to ride the trolley. You just better not drive your car to where the trolley runs because it's not going to be in one piece once you get back. Stick around. It's 1235. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let me give you a quick update. Earlier this week, we were talking about what I described, and I understand the significance of what I'm about to say. I thought it was the dumbest ordinance that I have ever seen come out of the Milwaukee Common Council. And I understand that we're talking about the Milwaukee Common Council. That's saying a lot. This was the ordinance that would have fined businesses if somebody stole their shopping cart. There's apparently a problem in certain segments of the city where you have thieves or residentially challenged people or bums or you name it. They steal shopping carts from like grocery stores. And what they do is they drive off, they ride off in the shopping carts, they push the shopping carts off, and then at some point in time they get tired of pushing them and they abandon them. So you find these abandoned shopping carts all over. Well, the, the alder woman, Shantia Lewis, um, she introduced a resolution that went through a committee. It passed a committee that said, we are going to fine the business. So if you run a, you know, Jeff and Gru's grocery store in downtown, in, in, in the city of Milwaukee, and somebody steals our shopping cart, we would be fined 250 bucks. I mean, it's kind of like, gee, if your car gets stolen from your garage, we're going to fine you for that. It was the most ridiculous thing that I have, have heard. Um, you want to talk about, you know, victimizing the victim. And the idea is to, I don't know, make the stores more accountable for, for their property. It's kind of like saying, hey, you know, if you were, if somebody shoplifts from your store, we're going to fine you for allowing you to be shoplifted. Give me a break. I mean, I mean, seriously. And the alternatives are to do things like they do at some Milwaukee grocery stores, which means make you have to turn in your driver's license before you can get a shopping cart. Can you imagine? Or invest hundreds of dollars per shopping cart in this technology that operates kind of like an invisible fence does with a dog. If you if you push the shopping cart beyond the scope of like the parking lot, theoretically the wheels lock. That's expensive technology, and it doesn't work very well. It's easy to defeat. But so, but again, the point is they're they're going to you're talking about victimizing the victim. Well, anyhow, um, th- this measure apparently it was referred back to the Public Safety and Health Committee for further debate. Um, all right, uh, that's so at least it's on hold. It's not dead. But the people at the Common Council, at least some people, are still considering it. Give me a break. All right. Big story number two. Tom's trolley folly, the, you know, what, one point whatever a million dollar streetcar that goes 2.1 miles that nobody really wants to, to, to ride and will. It's now resulted in the streets of the city, uh, streets of the city of Milwaukee being torn up so you can't get there from here. And you're going to have this streetcar that I believe very, very few people are going to ride. And it's not going to pay for itself. Just a really, really bad idea, right? Well, the hub of this, where does the streetcar start? It starts at the bus depot, which is called the intermodal station. That's the bus depot is now wrapped in with the the train station. And that's where the streetcar starts. Now, 
I, I guess I, I've always thought that's kind of silly because I, I, I can't really see what the, is the idea going to be. You, you've got some visitor from Chicago who's going to come in and then they're going to ride the, they're going to hop on the trolley for two miles, whatever. But the whole premise would be somehow you have to get to the intermodal station, the bus depot or the train station. And presumably, you're going to do that in a car. Maybe the idea would be you drive down there, you get out of your car, you walk to the trolley, and you take the trolley all around. There's parking down there, all those types of things. And don't get me wrong. I, I used to, when I used to have to go to Chicago a lot, I mean, I'd, I'd go down there, I'd park in one of the lots, I, I'd take the train, come back, and it's fine. Well, here is the problem. Apparently, those lots around the bus depot, the intermodal station, where the trolley is going to kick off with, they're, they're not safe. Um, this is, again, an underreported story, but today's TMJ4 had it. Milwaukee police are investigating more than a dozen cases of cars being damaged or broken into near the intermodal station. That would be the bus-slash-train depot on St. Paul Avenue, where the trolley line is going to start and end. According to police, all of the vehicles were targeted over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Several of the cars had windows smashed out. Property was stolen from other vehicles. Our investigation is ongoing. I saw the Today's TMJ report. What it looks like is people just went through these lots with baseball bats or whatever, breaking out windows and reaching in. Um, Police declined to provide an exact number of how many vehicles were broken into. That tells you that it was a lot. Um, Let's see. One of the guys, they quote, said his car was broken into. He gave uh, this TV station uh, photos of the damage. He said a window was smashed out and that they rifled through the car, took his wife's prescription sunglasses. Woman from Brookfield said her vehicle was also targeted. According to her, Vandal smashed out three of her SUV's windows. So presumably, again, they got a baseball bat or whatever. They're busting out the windows. She said nothing was taken from inside, said that the vehicle was parked in the lot across the street from the intermodal station for several days during the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Yeah, my guess is she parks the car, she gets out, she takes the train, she goes somewhere, comes back three or four days later, and finds that her car has been vandalized. And they go on to say on Tuesday morning, commuters parking in the large lot just west of the train station were worried about the news of recent vandalism. Interestingly, the lots around there are all owned by private companies. And at least one, perhaps more of those lots have signs up telling drivers, you park there at your own risk. <laughs> in, in other words, if vandals go running through with baseball bats and break into your cars and steal crap out of your cars, don't come running to us. It's not our problem. Right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, this is big story number two. It, it seems to me that if you are going to have any chance at all of getting people onto mass transit, whether it's whether it's the trolley or using the bus or using the train station, obviously people have to get there. There always has to be a central point that you've got to get to. And for most people, that means you're going to drive there. Well, if if you don't feel safe parking your cars around those areas, 
There's nobody that is going to drive there. And I think this is, look, I understand that there's crime all over, and I understand that maybe people destroying windows and vandalizing cars, well, that doesn't compare to carjacking and murder and assault and those type of things. But this is something that I got to think really makes people rethink some of their decisions. 414-799-1620, are you reluctant to park your cars, or should we be reluctant to park cars in some of these places for fear that you know they're going to get broken into? Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, I hear this story, and I'm thinking, huh, next time I take a train to Chicago or consider taking a train to Chicago, do, do I really feel safe leaving my car in one of those lots if I'm going to come back and find that it's been busted into and rifled through. Let's start with Jason in Milwaukee. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks. Um, I live in the warehouse lots, which is right down the street from there. Sure. And um, we get about one to five car break-ins every week in our uh, own property lots. <laughs> one, you're saying, so at, at least on, on any given week... There's at least one, and sometimes as many as four or five. Yep, and we have we have cameras and police patrolling, and it's they wear hoodies, they wear masks, they have stolen cars. Doesn't matter. We're not going to catch them. And we've even had the police come down and talk to us. Um, and really, the gist of it is, you know, ninety percent of the criminals that are doing these are repeat offenders. They throw them in jail for three months, get out, they do it again. So, in other words, there's there's not there's there's really nothing there's nothing that the law law enforcement says it can do. You're just kind of on your own, hoping that your car isn't one of the ones that gets targeted. Well, we're not on our own. They're doing a good job yeah. in catching them. Definitely not on our own, but we are kind of defenseless against it. You know, there's nothing we can do to protect ourselves from property theft if we're not in a property. Right. Um, so really, and you're not going to live in your car. <laughs> so you're not, you're not. You know, there's there's no there's no castle doctrine inside your car um, if you're not in it. Right. So really, it's everyone comes out the next morning. The lot owned by the public market just to the north of our building. Um, it, that's included in my figure of one to five mm-hmm. cars a week. Um, but yeah, in our own property where we live. Uh, you know, the, the Pritzloff buildings right across the street, they're building a parking structure. Right. Um, our area is very poorly lit uh, right behind the freeway. It's just breeding zone for crime right now. And it's really, it's, it's coincidental. I don't think it's derivative from it, but I think the streetcar construction has something to do with it about the lack of just normal traffic coming around right yeah be, right because you can't you know i think so no what you're saying is that you just can't get around there's not as many cars there so people feel kind of emboldened again thank you tom barrett but but here's the bigger point what what you need it, it is just ridiculous to me that you have this type of stuff that, that's going on again i don't fault the police you can't have a police officer in every parking lot that's down there. Now, I do think from the perspective of these private lot owners, I mean, if this is a problem, what you have to do is you have to hire security guards. And this, I I mean, I would think that that would be a huge marketing thing to say, all right, you know, here, what we're going to do is here, you know, you don't have to worry. We're going to have 24-hour security. And that might ratchet up costs a little bit. In Madison, 
they're thinking about imposing an ordinance which would require every convenience store to have a security camera because the idea would be at least if we've got a security camera maybe we have a chance of catching the people that rob it i i don't know maybe it's come to a point in milwaukee where you have to say for a lot of these parking structures that are going to benefit for example that i mean look the, the reason you park across from the train station is because the taxpayer dollars have gone in to build the train station that's made that parking lot incredibly valuable maybe unfortunately what you need to do is you need to start off by saying hey if you're going to run one of these parking lots down here the ordinance is going to be that you're going to have to have some form of 24-hour security to protect people's cars from that that's number one and number two and Jason was kind of alluding to this I understand the frustration that police have and it comes back again to one of the recurring themes on this program it is a comparatively small number of people who commit crimes. That, that's just the reality. But it's the same people over and over and over again who do it. The cops catch them. They arrest them. They send the case to the DA's office. Maybe the DA's office charges. Maybe they don't. Maybe the DA's office plea bargains the thing down. It gets to the Milwaukee County judges, and in general, it's catch and release, and the people are back out. They arrest them. They go through the court process. They get set out on personal recognizance bail, which means they just sign something, and three days later, they're back vandalizing cars. Until we also get serious about the hardcore repeat criminals This type of stuff is going to happen over and over again. Have a text. My sister's car was vandalized over the weekend at the train station. We will never park there again. I will take the train from the airport in the future. Yeah, that's um, that's it. Dan text. Property crime is not a victimless crime. No, it's definitely it's definitely not that case. Um, Let's see. Have another text. Jeff, what are you talking about? According to the mayor, the city is safe. Yeah, tell that to all the people whose cars were busted into. And again, I, I understand in the general scheme of things, they're not murdered, they're not carjacked. But, you know, you come out, you find that your car has somebody's taken a baseball bat to it, beaten in all the windows and stolen anything valuable against it. Well, you're going to feel vandalized. And then Justin sends a text. Sounds again, Jeff, like the real problem is continual crime being committed by habitual, often juvenile offenders who never get sufficiently punished when they repeat crimes, to which the congregation says, Amen. Big story number three is coming up. What do we do about Korea? Stick around. It's 1249. It's 1252. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Bucks close out their road trip in the Pacific Northwest Thursday night. That was an outstanding game last night. They just completely and totally dismantled, dismantled the Sacramento Kings. Ted Davis has the call as Giannis and company take on the Portland Trailblazers. Our Buckshots pregame coverage will begin at 8.40 Thursday. I'm going to name drop for just a minute here. At our at our Christmas party, I got a, at the Christmas holiday show, got a chance to talk for a while with John McLaughlin. And, and we've sort of known each other over the years, but I, I'm, of course, a huge fan of Johnny Mac, and he's a listener to the program. So we had a, he said, Jeff, I, I know you really love college basketball and the Brewers. You really, I, I want to make a big time Bucks fan out of you. You got to check out, you know, just the incredible athlete. And I said, Johnny, I mean, I go to a couple Bucks games and all, but I said, tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to start paying a little bit more attention. And I, I watched a good portion of that game last night on TV. Wow. Just out. It's, you know, the, the talent and the athleticism of these guys when they play like they, when they want to play is just absolutely amazing. Okay. Big story. Number three, North Korea at it again. North Korea, the definition of a rogue, uh, a rogue country. 
fires a ballistic missile, intercontinental ballistic missile. They fire it over Japan. It lands in the Sea of Japan. Um, this is this is the 16th. Let me say, I want to get this. I want to get this accurate here. This apparently is the the 16th um, missile test this year. Um, it of course comes among heightened rhetoric. The September test was an intermediate-range missile that flew over Japan into the northern Pacific. North Korea also detonated its first hydrogen bomb this year. South Korea says they think North Korea could have a nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missile capable of reaching the U.S. mainland as early as next year. Uh, South Korea, that you know, really has, you want to talk about skin in the game, they've got skin in the game. They say North Korea has been developing its nuclear weapons at a faster than expected rate. This timetable confirms other intelligence estimates that North Korea could have the capacity to fire a nuclear-tipped missile at the U.S. in 2018. Who's producing the show? That makes me want to go to the Winter Olympics in South Korea this February. But but the the point of, of all this is that that this this crazy dictator has has and is getting very close to becoming you know a, a nuclear nation. Now he claims they're at that now that point now. But you know if you really get to a point where somebody in North Korea, some maniac in North Korea, which is I mean, it's a Stone Age country. I mean, that's been the effect of all the different sanctions. But now it appears that he really is, or very will be in the very near future, able to launch nuclear weapons that could reach the United States. Now, President Trump comes out yesterday and says, we're aware of this. We're going to handle it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, you say you're going to handle it, and that's all well and good. But here's what I want to talk about with you. How do we handle this? I mean, seriously, how do we handle this in one fashion or another? We have been hearing from, you know, different administrations, not just President Trump, eight years of Barack Obama, eight years of George Bush before that. We have been hearing essentially one way or the other. We're going to handle North Korea. And all I know is the situation is getting worse and worse. So my question is, how do we handle North Korea? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a two-step solution, and I will share that with you in just a couple minutes. But is this a big deal? Have we reached a point where we need to be worried about it, or is it just something, well, the guy's a crazy guy. He would never launch He would never launch missiles at Japan or South Korea or the United States. Ah, it's just all bluster. Do we have something to be worried about? Do we really need to handle this, and how do we do it? Like I say, I've got a two-pronged solution, but I'm curious, how big a deal do you think this is? And how do we handle it? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss in a few minutes. It's 1226. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 108. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So Eric Bilstead, years yes. and years ago, I, I proudly claim to the, perhaps the title of the, the hardest working guy around here, at least on air. I have long ago ceded that. And and I think we could make a claim that, that you now do that. I mean, you... You do all the news stuff. You do your own show. All those great type of things. Not but, true, but I appreciate it. Well, no. I, but one of the things that you always used to do 
is you used to do scheduling for yes. all the newsroom people, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, I did not enjoy my time. Right. Scheduling. So, you, so every you were the one that was responsible, and when somebody wanted mm-hmm. to take vacation, you had to figure out how yep. to approve that and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and and you'd hope that you didn't make some mistake that left like some huge void because then you'd probably have to come in and fill it, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, here's here's the story today. American Airlines. Now, I, maybe we can do I it's the reason this kind of stuck in my mind is today I was actually I was trying to be a considerate employee and I was looking at next year and I know various times I mean I'm I'm going on a delayed friend and I go on a delayed honeymoon in February mm-hmm. and we're doing a listener trip in October and I I'm going to Vegas for a couple of days and I just had different dates sure, and so I figured sure. you know I, I will just be the good employee and I will give I'll try to schedule a good portion of my vacation well in advance now there might be a way we can do it on our website. You can just go and, and click in and request time. I, I just don't do that. I just send a note to the program director of saying course, yeah. I'd like this time off. Okay, but there might be a way you can do it. But here's the story. Now, of course, the holidays for some industries are one of their busiest times. Like airlines, American Airlines says a computer glitch allowed all pilots to take vacation over Christmas week. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so apparently, like, Amer- all, uh, these pilots, like, put in, I guess it's, like, computerized or something. They yeah. put in vacation request. They were all granted. So, like, all the American pilots are on vacation <laughs> during Christmas, or at least a good portion of them. Now the union says thousands of flights are in jeopardy of being canceled. Wow. Um, American apparently says, let's see, what's the story? American says... Well, they're they're kind of what would be the word um, in trouble. American says that it's now offering one and a half times pay for f- for pilots to fill in, and they expect to resolve the issue. So they're but it be, that would be a big <laughs> whoops, huh? <laughs> that's a big whoops. <laughs> it's, it's kind of oops. Oh my no, gosh! that's it. So I they're, they say that they're hoping not to cancel flights, but just. Again, that would be one of those scheduling things that, oh, my goodness, I lost track of the fact that I I let everybody take off for, oh, the busiest week of the year. Oh, you just made my head hurt. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, What can you say? All right. Let's get back to big story. Oh, before I do that, one other thing. Um, Just a quick reminder. I've been mentioning this. Matter of fact, I I sent out a a tweet about this Uh, tonight. If you happen to be around Washington County, you, I'm not sure they're selling tickets at the door, but you, I think you can still get them. It's a big fundraiser. It's a yearly fundraiser for the four or five boys and girls clubs that they have in Washington County. It's called A Taste of Washington County. It's at the, the pavilion at the fairgrounds. A number of area restaurants, a large number, come up, and you can just walk around and sample stuff. Um, I am told it's a tremendous event. I am actually going to be serving food at one of the booths. I'm 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 all geared in to, to serve food. I'm going to be uh, if you're looking for me, find me with the unofficial mayor of Washington County, George Prescott, whose George's name is up on one of those boys and girls clubs. So I, I'm going to be there. It's tonight from six till ten. Um, so if you're in the Washington County area, stop off and, and say hi and support a wonderful organization. I, I always talk a lot on this program about the need to crack down on juvenile crime and things like that. But obviously, the best alternative is if the kids. Don't don't commit crimes in the first place. And, you know, boys and girls clubs do a tremendous job of offering children, a lot of cases like at-risk children, um, you know, uh, healthy, safe alternatives to just kind of running the streets. So I'm a huge believer in the boys and girls clubs. And uh, I'm going to be out in Washington County. It's at the fairgrounds this, after this evening from 6 until 10. And on Friday, it is our, well, we've already kicked off the Kids to Kids Christmas campaign, but it's our first 
series of radio remotes where we will be um, accepting toys. We're going to be at VMP Manor Park, the old village at Manor Park in West Dallas, from noon until 6. I'll be in the big talking box from noon until 3. John McCure and Melissa Barkley will be out there after that. And I think everybody knows the drill after 12 years. We encourage you to go out, buy new unwrapped toys, drop them off. The folks at VMP Manor Park do a great job. They set up a winter wonderland that I know school buses full of kids come over. It's really great. And if you're in that area, hope to see you again. We're uh, collecting toys. It's this Friday from noon until 6. Okay, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Tech Line. Big thing number three, uh, this is now, in the last year, North Korea has now conducted 16 missile tests. They they detonated a hydrogen bomb. Last night they sent one, um, yesterday afternoon they sent one into the Sea of Japan. Uh, The estimates are by the early part of next year, they will have developed the technology to allow them to put a nuclear warhead on one of these missiles and reach as far as the east coast of the United States. President Trump says, we'll handle this. Well, that that's nice. But we've had people saying we're going to handle this for years and years, and the situation has gotten worse and worse. Do we now need to do something? My answer is yes. The question is what? 414-799-1620. Uh, let's start with Tom in Waterford. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Tom in Watertown. Tom in Watertown. Hi, Tom. Hi, uh, Jeff. Say, so what I would do is I would try to, the United States should start persuading China to mass some troops on the Korean border, the North Korean border, and tell North Korea that if they keep on provoking the United States with these missile tests, that it's not going to be the United States that's going to invade. It's going to be us that are going to invade because they do not want a war over there in the first place. Do you think China will go along with that? You know, if we if we we would never allow South Korea to provoke China like this. We would never allow it to shoot missiles over North <laughs> Korea constantly. I, I think you could get China to do something like that. I really do. I think if you persuaded them enough to say that you do not want a nuclear war in your side of the world over there, you do not want to have any uh, yeah. massive troops over there, I think you could get them to do that. If China says no for whatever reason, now China's already come out and they're saying we condemn this, you know, it's provocative, so is Russia. If China at the end of the day says we're not going to ratchet up. We're not going to increase sanctions. We'll condemn it. But um, could the U.S. go it alone? Should the U.S. go it alone? We're getting to the point. We're getting to the point where we might have to go it alone. And I hate saying that because war is never good. But I'll tell you what: we we are in a position, are in a situation over there where our kids have to worry, our grandkids have to worry, yeah. and it's just getting to be uh, just a mess. No, it it didn't. No, th- thanks for call. I see. I I agree. Here, here would be my two pronged solution. You know, for for the longest time now, China and Russia. But it's really, I mean, China is the principal, perhaps the only trading partner that North Korea has left. I mean, North Korea it really is like the Flintstones, except it's like the Flintstones with now a nuclear capability. I mean, it is. I mean, you're talking about an incredible, you're talking about a Stone Age type of of country. Um, But you've got crazy people that have the ability to push a button and apparently, if you believe them, launch nuclear missiles. You, You can't allow this dictatorship to menace the rest of the world. Um, so here's what I think needs to happen. I, I think 
This is the time we're in the U.N. Security Council. You need to say, okay, this is we've now reached this point where what we have to do is completely and totally isolate this country. Um, all right, you you got to stop providing them with oil, China. You know, you have to now take actions that match this rhetoric. And if they refuse, if they refuse, then you've got to start, I think, trying to put together a coalition like President Bush did, you know, in Operation Desert Storm, a coalition designed to end the nuclear threat posed by this madman. I don't if if the U.N. isn't willing to step up now. And again, put together the coalition, set these different guidelines, and then move forward. The U.N. is completely and totally worthless. And you wonder, you know, why is the U.S. fooling around with this, you know, if we are going to allow this crazy person to menace the rest of the world. So to me, it's one of these deals where you say to China, look, you've got to step up. If you refuse to step up, you go to the U.N., you say, all right, this is the time for the coalition. We need to do whatever we have to do to eliminate the nuclear threat to the rest of the world. And if the U.N. says, no, we're not going to back you up, we're not going to provide a coalition to do this, well, number one, you have to consider going it alone. And number two, you have to consider whether we should still even be in the United Nations. This should not be a problem exclusively solved by the United States because, let's face it, all right, maybe you could see a nuclear warhead launched towards the United States, but you know, is it more likely that there would be something that would happen with South Korea or with Japan or with any of the other countries? This is a major world problem, and the president says we're going to handle it. Well, that that's that that's great, and I don't I don't expect him necessarily to go into the strategy that he wants to employ to try to handle it. But the answer is, yeah, it, it's got to be handled. And the truth is, this should have been handled five years ago. It should have been handled ten years ago before it has gotten to this stage. It's sort of like when you've got that little infection on your toe, and you let it go, and you let it go, and now you're looking at having your foot amputated. When, all right, that's the situation we're facing now. It is 119. When we come back, all right, it is a controversy involving ads on buses are we geared up with this we are if you want to see the ad in question now i'm going to describe it but if you want to see the ad in question that is creating all this controversy you can simply text the word ad ad nope i'm sorry what but oh i'm sorry i used the i all right that's my fault i was thinking ad the word is bus b-u-s if you text the word BUS to 414-799-1620, I will send you the story and the link to the ad that is creating all this controversy. It, to me, is the latest example of how we have an ongoing war on Christmas and how nuts, just how absolutely nuts we are going in the society when it comes to the war on religion in general. Text the word BUS to 414-799-1620. I'll send you a picture of the ad that's creating all this controversy. We're back with that in just a moment. It's 120. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One twenty-three. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Wisconsin football has long been relevant in the eyes of college football, but maybe never as much as the present day. Is Saturday's game against the Buckeyes the biggest in program history? Hmm. Greg Matzik wants to hear your answer at six thirty-five this evening during Sports Central.
Okay, the word is bus. B-U-S. If you text us the word bus, bus, not bus, bus, to 414-799-1620, um, we'll, we'll send you the story with this photograph. Here, here's the deal. Um, it is not uncommon for for advertisers to buy spaces on buses, you know, or or to advertise, you know, outside um, some of the bus waiting areas and, and things like that. that. That's the way one of the ways that bus companies make money. Now, in D.C., the Catholic Archdiocese of Washington wants to wants to promote the spirit of. Of Christmas okay and so they have come up with an ad now I will describe the ad for you the ad depicts on the right side three in silhouette three wise men you know who are standing looking and on the other side of the ad there's a big star so these three wise men together with two look like they're sheep. <laughs> okay, they're standing on one side, and they are looking across, and there's a star. There, there's the star, and the ad says, and I hope you're sitting down. I hope you're ready for this. I do not want you to be shocked. I don't want you to be offended. The ad says, find the perfect gift. And then it's got hashtag perfect gift, and then it says, find the perfectgift.org. It, in other words, is directing people to a, a website. Um, and if you go to findtheperfectgift.org, what you'll find is it, it tells you about the meaning of Christmas, and it tells you about different church services that are available over the holidays and things like that. Okay, So, so that's the ad. The Archdiocese of Washington is trying to essentially encourage people to attend church over the holidays. All right, Now, they want to put this ad up on, on the buses. Now, let me back up here. You can put pretty much any ad you want on Washington buses. If I wanted to, I don't know, run promote my hotline for looking for dates or want to talk dirty to me, all right, um, I, I could run an ad for that. You know, 1-900-TALK-DIRTY-TO-ME. I could put that ad up. They would accept that ad. If I wanted to run an ad saying, hey, um, it's Christmas. Come on down and get that perfect gift at Jeff and Gru's jewelry shop. I could do that, and there would not be a problem with this. But the Archdiocese of Washington has had this ad rejected because, according to the Transit Authority and their rules, they say this ad depicts a religious scene, three wise men looking at the star and thus seeks to promote religion. Their guidelines say, um, you know, we, this is issue-oriented advertising. And as a result, um, this runs afoul of our regulations. So, yes, it's true. You can promote your, like, talk dirty sex line. You can do that. You can promote your Christmas sale, but you cannot promote findtheperfectgift.org, 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to tell you, this is this is one of the dumbest damn things I have heard in a long time, and I just don't know how to say it any other way. You mean to tell me that you, 
on a on a public bus system, like I say, you can put on ads for almost anything, but the archdiocese can't promote a website that tells you where to go to church on you know over the Christmas holidays or promotes what the meaning of Christmas is. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. I think this is a violation of the First Amendment. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss in just a moment. Like I say, if you want to see the the shocking and apparently offensive and too hot to handle ad, all you have to do is uh, text us the word BUS, B-U-S, and uh, we'll send it to you. 414-799-1620. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner. 134, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Milwaukee Alderman Tony Zielinski is running for mayor, and I'll make it official later today. After he does, he joins our John McCure and Melissa Barkley live in the studio at 434 during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I'm glad to see Barrett having challengers. Don't know if Barrett's going to even run again. It does seem to me that we're a long ways off before the mayoral election, but um, Tony's throwing his hat in the ring. All right, 414-799-1620 is the number. Describe this before the break. Um, the, the archdiocese, the Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., they want to put up an ad on a bus, and the ad says, find the perfect gift. It's got It's a silhouette, three wise men in one corner. They're looking up at a star, hashtag perfect gift, and it directs people to findtheperfectgift.org, which is a website that the Archdiocese has promoting the true meaning of Christmas and telling people where there's you know church ceremonies and things like that. The bus company in Washington says, nope, you, you can't put this up. You could put up ads selling Christmas things. You could say, hey, it's the Christmas season. Come buy jewelry or go buy a new fur coat or, or whatever. You could put that up. You could put up ads, again, promoting a sex hotline. You want to have us talk dirty to you, you will. But you can't put up an ad directing people to a website that promotes, I don't know, going to church on Christmas. How nuts is that? Let's start with Jerry in Milwaukee. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, well, I, I don't agree with the policy of, of the bus company. Um, the stated reason is that they're banning issue uh, issue ads, things with um, dealing with religion specifically. And uh, to be clear, I, I don't agree with that. But that's the rationale. It's that specific to Christianity. I think they should do deal away with that policy. Atheists, I would love to see them advertise atheists and Christian groups who want to advertise and let them free marketplace ideas, settle it, and let people look at that. But that's just the reason why they're doing it, which well, is not why I, I necessarily agree with it. Right, but I guess what my – and I, you're right, Jerry, I understand that. I guess my problem is, though, how – I mean, how, how then can you consistently allow, again, the jewelry store to say, hey, it's the Christmas season, come in and shop? I mean, you're, you're still you're, – you're allowing them to commercialize Christmas, but you're saying to the archdiocese you can't use this to promote going to see a, Christ, uh, a Christmas to – well, to a Christmas service? yeah. Right. No, thanks yeah. for going. No, right. No, I, no, I appreciate it. I'm sorry, your cell phone was cutting up a little. No, I mean, I, I get it. That's right. And I, I understand their, their policy is that we are not going to allow any sort of ads up on, on the bus that uh, we're going to call an, an issue ad. Now, I, for the life of me, you know, don't understand. I mean, I under, I, I get it if they don't want to allow an ad saying, hey, okay, I, to vote for. 
you know, so-and-so, all right, that, that, that's okay, that this isn't an issue ad. This is a, hey, find the perfect gift, and instead of buying somebody, you know, another pair of socks that they don't need, maybe, just maybe you want to go to this website, 414. And again, I find this to be, quite frankly, a clear violation of the First Amendment. I, I just I, I just do. I, I don't think that as long as you're going to allow advertising, I think that the archdiocese has every right to advertise um, I just don't think you can discriminate based on content. I, I think it's clearly against the law. Gary in Milwaukee. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hey, hello there, Jay. I totally agree with you, but it's getting to the point with this freedom from religion debt that, you know, we can't do anything that signifies that we believe in a God. Can't we have some rights, those of us that do believe in a God? Right. I, I mean, this is getting so ridiculous. Right, and just like that little uh, the article about the school in North Dakota or South Dakota that said a prayer before the, the game. Right, yeah, right, and they came to Madison to get the anti the, the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Yeah, right. no, I mean it, again, it's this war. Thanks, it, it's this war on Christianity, and it's being played into. And, and by the way. I just want to be consistent here. If this were, uh, I don't know, a, a, a Muslim organization in Washington, D.C., that wanted to, you know, run a series of ads, you know, promoting, you know, their services or whatever, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It just, it seems to me to be the height of inconsistency and hypocrisy to say, okay, we're going to take advertising saying you can buy Christmas gifts. All right. We're going to welcome that, but we're not going to take advertising from the church saying, hey, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to go on Christmas Day, here, th- this this is the church. How crazy, how crazy is that? Um, uh, here's one of our texts. If all those items you mentioned were allowed to be advertised and by their, their way, um, by the way they are, belonging to the right church can change someone's life and people need to stop thinking that God is a taboo subject. Maybe if more people had God, we wouldn't have all the issues we do. Yeah, I mean, just from a practical matter. And, and that's true. You can advertise 900 sex lines. You know, they'll call 900 and somebody will talk dirty to you. You can put that ad up there. Um, you can advertise, hey, you know, Gru's Adult Bookstore, you know, whatever. You can advertise Joe Gru's um, Gentleman's Club. All right, you can advertise that, but the church can't. <laughs> <laughs> Say, hey, you go to this website, and, and we'll give you different times of church services in the area or places where you can donate <laughs> or whatever. I mean, seriously? How nuts has this gotten? Um, let's see. Here's Justin. It's sad, but this intolerant opposition doesn't surprise me. The freedom from religion folks don't want to see any visible references to any religion, especially in public places or in public property, even if it is a sponsored Ad, um, yes, 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 absolutely crazy. And again, if you want to see the ad that is creating all this controversy, uh, you can text us the word "bus" b u s to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. When we come back, I understand that a lot of people think that the president can do no wrong, and I understand that there's some people who think that the president can do no right. I swear, though, I don't understand what he's trying to accomplish by a couple things he's done this week. We will discuss. It's 141. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 144. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I've said this before, and again, I understand that with with social media, it gives people 
especially people in power, a great ability to bypass the mainstream media. And, and you can you, you don't nowadays you don't have to do what you had to do 20, 30 years ago, which is allow the mainstream media to filter what you want to say with whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you now have the ability to communicate directly with people so you don't need the ABCs and the NBCs and the CBSs of the world. You, you don't need it. It's, I mean, obviously some people still get their information from them, but if you don't feel you're getting a fair shake or you don't feel that they're expressing, you can go over their heads or around them or you can go underneath them or through them or whatever, and you can communicate, and that is a, a value that politicians are 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 understanding now president trump has a very very loyal twitter following and again i've argued that while it's great to have the ability to again bypass the media because i think the mainstream media is in fact out to get him i I just i just do but having said that um his use of twitter continues to be to me him being just kind of the loose cannon rolling around on on the dock and and on the on the deck of the ship sometimes it goes off that cannon goes off in the direction of your enemies and sometimes the cannon just shoots the cannonball straight up and it comes down and crashes through you know the that your your ship you, know, you you saw that this morning president trump apparently retweeted without comment several videos allegedly depicting physical attacks carried out by Muslims. Um, this was uh, originally apparently posted by somebody with this this group called Britain First, which is a far-right political party that opposes immigration. So you have these, these, various, these various videos are Islamist mob pushes teenage boys off roof and beats him to death. Video, Muslim destroys a statue of Virgin Mary. Video, Muslim migrant beats up Dutch boy on crutches. So you've got this kind of far-right group in Britain who, again, is anti-immigration. Fine. They've got these very, very provocative videos that are out there, and President Trump is retweeting them. To which my question would be, why? I I mean, what what do you possibly gain at, at this point in time why do you retweet these these videos what is the purpose of it and why do you retweet them without we treat them without tweet them without commentary i mean if if this is something that you feel strongly about look at the world to see and this is why we need to crack down on immigration if that's the argument you want to make well then why why don't you say it but just retweeting these things generates the type of stories that he's now getting, which is, what could the guy possibly be thinking? And in that vein, I want to discuss something that is now, it's a third-day story. Elizabeth Warren is the very, very liberal presidential wannabe from Massachusetts. Um, She, okay, take Hillary Clinton and then go about eight steps to the left, and you've got Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren wants to be the president of the United States, and she is a very, let's see, what word am I going to use? I'm not going to use that word. Not going to use that word. She is acerbic. But let, she, I'll, I will use the word acerbic. She is tart-tongued, um, and, and she's, in her own way, she's a street fighter. I mean, she is, but she's very, very liberal. She's not a fan of President Trump. She's not a fan of Republicans in general. And she's really, really, really far left. She has also been exposed as as a liar. Um, 
for a good portion of her career, she claimed to be part Native American. And it appears, and I don't want to get into you know her use of that, but it appears that you know when it suited her to help her get into law school and things like that, she claimed to be part Native American in order to take advantage of you know what, whatever sort of diversity programs there might be there. All right, so she she's been exposed pretty much as a liar on that issue. All right, so that's that's the issue that she has out there. President Trump has in the past referred to her as Pocahontas. You're probably familiar with this if you've been following the news in the last couple of days. He's called her Pocahontas before, and he, he's done it. He does it in a demeaning fashion. He's not intending to, he's mocking her. What he's doing is he's mocking her for what he believes are her false claims over the years to be Native American. Okay, that that's that's what's going on here, and he's done it in the context of political rallies before. All right, so Monday... Um, he is hosting an event at the Oval Office, in the Oval Office, um, alongside a group of Navajo Indian code talkers. Um, you know, this is, it's a ceremony designed to honor Navajo veterans of World War II. And there's been a couple movies that have been made of about the, these code talkers and stuff. So it, it's a ceremony to honor Navajo code talkers. They are in the Oval Office as part of this ceremony. It's not a political rally, okay? He's not out there giving speeches, trying to raise money for whoever's going to run against Elizabeth Warren. That's not what this is. It's a ceremony to honor these Native American veterans of World War II. And he starts to make some remarks. And it's, it's scripted, okay? But as often happens, he goes off script. So he, he t- starts talking about, you know, calling the Navajo code talkers, the three Navajo code talkers, very, very special people. And then he goes off the script. He says, you were here long before any of us were here. And he's talking to these, these three veterans, ages 90 and older, who wore their military uniforms for the occasion. He says, you were here long, long before any of us were here, although... We have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. So he says this at this ceremony. And now it's been a story that's going on for a couple days. Um, You know, his son, Eric Trump, is out saying, okay, this wasn't a racial slur. Some Native Americans are saying otherwise. There's this huge discussion that's going on. You know, people who are Trump defenders are saying, no, 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 Pocahontas, this this isn't a, he didn't mean this to be any sort of racial slur. And the people who think it is are are too sensitive. There's other people who are once again saying, what was he thinking? All right, here's my take on this whole thing. 414, and I, I, I want your reaction. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I have no use for Elizabeth Warren. And candidly, I, I think it is fair to criticize her for what I believe are her false claims until exposed that, you know, she w- had some, like, Native American, you know, heritage. Okay, I mean, I think that that's, that's fair. It's a fair issue. My concern is there is a time and a place for everything. And I think this remark was completely and totally inappropriate because, again, of the place. 
I mean, I, if he wants to, again, if you're at a political rally and you want to deride, you know, her as, as Pocahontas, okay, I, I mean, I, I don't, does, does he mean it to be offensive? Of course he means it to be offensive. Is it a racial slur? I don't know. But, you know, who says these things in this particular setting? That is my beef. And that is why I, I think, that's why I think the president was out of line in his remark. 414-799-1620. What do you think? We discuss next. It's 152. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 155. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see. Um, our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign is underway. Join us this Friday at VMP Healthcare and Community Living in Milwaukee. Myself and the Wisconsin's Afternoon News crew will be broadcasting live. We'll be there from noon until 6. We would love to see you and your kids there with new unwrapped toys. Help us help those who are in need this holiday season with Kids to Kids Christmas from WTMJ, the Salvation Army, and Capco Metal Stamping. Okay, I have a texter. This is Bob who says, The comment, this is calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, is not racist. The real story is Warren's lying. That's Elizabeth Warren lying about her 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 background and that's that's kind of like what the white house has has been saying um you know the spokesperson sarah huckabee sanders says i think that's ridiculous for people to be upset i think what most people find offensive is senator warren lying about her heritage to advance her career to me though that misses the point look i I don't want to get into the argument about whether pocahontas is a racist term or not he's clearly using it in a derisive fashion to try to mock elizabeth warren i don't care about that i think that that's perfectly fine what if if he wants to do that you know and and she's a big girl and she should you know uh, she's a wants to be president of the united states you know he's a big boy she's a big girl if they want to decide to duke it out in that kind of fashion fine let them do it my beef is that I think it's a there's a time and a place for everything. And when you're standing in the Oval Office at a ceremony designed to honor, you know, Native Americans for their contributions in World War II, why in the name of whatever do you go off script and start throwing in these gratuitous jabs that you know some people are going to have to find offensive? Again, it's it's not what he said necessarily to me. It's why he chose to say it. Where where he did, Rich in Waukesha. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, well, my thoughts are: first of all, either there's two, there's only two things. He either did it on purpose, you know, went off script to insult. Uh, oh, sure, he did. Yeah. Or or he has lost his filter. Um, it is an inappropriate situation. I mean, they're actually underneath the, you know, right in front of the uh, the, the portrait of Andrew Jackson. Right. Um, but, you know, this is the type of thing that, frankly, you hear from, if you walk into an assisted living center, you hear this type of comment being made that's inappropriate in that type of situation. But by somebody who's kind of by somebody who's, lo- who's losing some of their facilities. Suffering from, I mean, we know that the, the presidency is a highly stressful job. All the presidents are known, you know, they, they turn gray hair, et cetera. It, it, you know, there could be sleep deprivation going on. Frankly, I had a grandmother that I didn't know when she was in an early onset dementia <laughs> so you you okay. think it's that no well i mean look at I, I i just so i don't know that it's dementia i i think i'm going to go back to what you said earlier i, I think it's just kind of no filter and, and no sense of appropriate appropriateness laurie says i've heard the clip from the tone of his voice it's clear that he he just 
you know, can't help himself. Another text that illustrates once again the man's incredible, you know, lack of judgment. Here's another one. I agree. Time and place. I think it took away from how special the moment was for those you know, gentlemen. And somebody else says, of course, it's racist. When you meet a Native American and you joke about Native Americans, you're being racist. If he had a normal bone in his body, he would have been honored to stand in the same room as these men who saved us all. I, I guess, again, I don't want to debate the comment as to whether it's as to whether when he uses it with Elizabeth Warren, is it racist? or not? That doesn't matter. It's just what were you thinking, for goodness sakes? And then this becomes a two or three day story. Um, stick to the script. Stick to the script. You will be so much better off. Lots of stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. It's 159. It's 2A, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. It appears that the Senate will, by the end of the week, be voting on... The tax reform proposal, and it appears that Senator Ron Johnson is going to be voting with the GOP majority on this. Now, by way of background, um, the the Republicans have been working very hard to try to get some meaningful tax return reform. Um, it, the devil is always in the, the details, and it appears that whatever version of the bill they ultimately come out with will achieve some of the savings by taking away certain deductions. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to increase the standard deduction on people's taxes. But what they're going to do is they're going to limit your ability to write off, uh, to, to itemize, meaning they're going to limit uh, limit your ability to make certain deductions like for um, home mortgage and property taxes and things like that. So Fewer people are going to be able to itemize, but the standard deduction is going to increase. This, again, how this is going to directly affect you, you you don't know until you actually sit down and and start doing the math. I think for most people, they're probably going to come out ahead, although there will be some middle class, probably really upper class um, taxpayers who live in high-tax states who have big mortgages or huge property tax payments, they're probably going to come out as net losers. Now, the wild card in all this is that the proposals also appear to do away with the alternative minimum tax, the AMT, which is evil. It's just an evil tax. It was, it was put into place in the late 1960s to really go after about a half dozen or a dozen really, really, really wealthy Americans, multimillionaires who somehow use tax loopholes to avoid paying taxes. So they put in the AMT, the alternative minimum tax, which is like a whole separate tax structure. Well, over the years, the AMT ha- has grown, and now it ensnares a lot of people who aren't millionaires who end up you know, getting hit by this. So again, for some of those people who say that they would lose out by losing the deductions, a lot of those people are probably covered under the AMT, so they might actually come out ahead. So, again, it, it depends. But in general, I think for a lot of people, particularly middle class and below, it's, it's going to be a break. It also, again, changes the way corporations are taxed. And what it will do, the idea is let's, let's make it less 
burdensome to be a corporation. Let's lower the tax rates. What we can maybe do then is create, well, not provide the incentive that the current tax system has for companies to essentially leave the United States. I mean, the classic example of that is Johnson Controls which, you know, decided to merge and then move its headquarters to Ireland as part of the merger. In my opinion, they screwed over a lot of their shareholders really, really badly. Um, But now you've got this company that's based in Ireland, essentially, and you're looking at massive job cuts and things of the like, all those type of things that are going on. So Senator Johnson had come out and he said, look, he was a no vote because he was concerned with the way they handled the taxes for like the, the pass-through corporations, the family-owned businesses, as opposed to the regular corporations. It appears that they've worked that out. He appears to be a, a yes vote now. You've got the, the mainstream media that's now pretty much aligned talking about how awful this whole thing is going to be. Uh, again, I think for the vast majority of people, they're going to come out as net winners. That They are. And I, I think even more importantly, it's important for Republicans in Congress to get something done. There have been few enough victories, given the fact that you have a working majority of U.S. Senate, of Republicans in the Senate and in the House. There have been few enough victories, and I, I think this is an important one. And also, to the extent that this bill eliminates the um, insurance mandate under Obamacare, as a way of saving a bunch of money as well, I think it's a really, really positive thing. So I was very, very glad to see Ron Johnson vote for this in committee. I understand. See, I, I've always said, God save us from ideologues. And this is one of the reasons why during the state budget process, I was so frustrated by the acts of four Republican senators, three ultimately who came around. You know, you have this budget process that went on for month after month after month after month. And finally, you get a a budget document, which was a conservative budget document. It, It was something that any Republican should have been willing to stand up and say, look, this isn't perfect. And I don't know that there's any sort of perfect document here. But then you had four Republican senators who decided, well, you know, we don't like this or we don't like that or we don't like this. So we're not going to vote for it. We're going to try to block it till what we get what we want. Well, at the same time, that was something that some of the other Republicans didn't want. Well, anyhow, they held the budget process hostage. They ended up getting the things they wanted. One of the characters, um, still ended up voting no it's just it's these ideologues that that's what drives me nuts about this and so i think senator johnson had a very very good point about the need to have some sort of you know fairness when it comes to dealing with these pass-throughs for small corporations i think he had a good point but at the end of the day i i was always convinced that senator johnson wasn't going to block this and i don't think he will and that's a good thing and it is a credit to him when we come back, the people responsible for fake news are offended. Should we care? Stick around. It's 214. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad, so very glad to have you with us. All right. The, the term fake news is used a lot lately. CNN wants to ban the term fake news. Um, on CNN's website the other day, two of uh, their writers um, called for scrapping the term fake news. 
They say that the term fake news is not only self-defeating, it oversimplifies a very complex problem and devalues the expression that has become meaningless over the past year. In other words, since President Trump has started using it. Uh, They write, the phrase is now used to describe any piece of information that someone else didn't like and has become weaponized by politicians. Huh. Um, They argue that the term fake news should only refer to clearly false content, like a viral photo of a shark swimming up a Texas highway during Hurricane Harvey. Um, This report that they said, said this is, you know, it's just... Um, this is the, the Trump strategy, and, and what he's done is he's weaponized this, and he's attacked the news media, and now people use this term fake news. And the argument is we shouldn't play into this. What we should do is we should stand up and say, all right, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have to defend ourselves, and we should not use this term. Let's tee this up, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know what I say to the folks at CNN? If you don't like being accused of putting out fake news, well, then you should stop putting out fake news. You should stop getting things wrong. I think fake news, and I think most people understand what that is. When I hear the term fake news, I understand it to be news that, well, has a spin to it, News that is a story which is being blown up way out of proportion. I think the term fake news encompasses a lot more than simply a shark, a a manufactured, you know, Photoshop picture of a shark swimming up a Texas highway. And, And you know what? If the mainstream media doesn't like hearing the term, if the people at CNN don't like hearing the term fake news, well, then they can do something about it, which is clean up their act. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk for a minute about the, the term fake news. Is it weaponized? Is this unfair? Or does perhaps the media have a little bit to blame in this? Now, of course, you know, and I've noticed this before, people in the news media tend to be extreme, and I'm generalizing here, there are exceptions, but my experience has been they tend to be extremely thin-skinned. The idea being, okay, we can be reporters, you know, we can present our views, how dare you, how dare you question this particular story or that particular story or that spin or or that twist? Um, and the, the truth is, I, I think that's, that kind of comes with the territory, and you can't be too thin-skinned if you're going to be someone who is working for a CNN or a Fox News or an ABC or an NBC, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I think now, and of course, the, the term fake news, I think you can be used. I think it can go either way. And I'm not saying that, for example, conservative politicians are immune from, well, their own fake news. Brian in Brookfield. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Brian. I just wanted to... How are you? Good. Good. Just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Mr. Trump's views on fake news. Uh, he is now saying that the excess Hollywood tape is <laughs> fake news. I, you know, it, it, it's funny. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, chuck, I'm chuckling about that. Yes. Uh. <laughs> it, it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, he has attacked Time, CNN, and NBC unprovoked in the last week. I mean, when is it going to stop? Really? Well, I think the uh, yeah, I, I did, I, I did, I did chuckle 
Well, look, I mean, that Access Hollywood tape, the thing with Billy Bush, right, it's it's clearly real. And I, I think, didn't he, he acknowledge at the time that it was was yeah. real. He just kind of said, I was playing around or, or whatever. Yeah, now I see the stories where he's saying, well, I'm not sure that it's really a true thing. <laughs> yeah, I, Right. That that I think is fair. I would describe that as, as fake news as well. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620, which is why I say it, it's kind of, um, it does sort of cut both ways. Let's talk to Bob in Sheboygan. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Long-time listener. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. What's up? Yes, I was just wondering, isn't there a law on the books that prevents fake news from being broadcasted? Because I know it's a slippery slope on both sides, like you're saying. Well, no, there's not a law that prevents fake news from being brought from being broadcast. There, there's a law against, you know, there's a law against defamation. There, there's a law uh, against presenting, you know, defamate, false and defamatory news. But no, you, I mean, you can you can be wrong. I mean, you you, you can broadcast a story and just kind of get it wrong. Or the way I understand fake news is, I think the term more and often it's it, it's meant to again be. It's meant to refer to stories not that are completely made up, but that are being overblown or that are being spun in, in a way to make it, you know, appear worse or better than it is. That's kind of how I understand, you know, fake news. But uh, thanks to call. But again, but again, yeah. I mean, there's laws against defamation, but you know, you can, you know, if if one of our if one of our newscasters, I'll I'll pick on Melissa. If if, if Melissa goes and reports a story. Um, and, and just and has it wrong? Okay, well, I mean that that's not a crime. There's not a law against it. I mean, you know, it obviously if you're a news reporter, you want to get stuff right. Um, th- that's not a crime to do that. It's a crime to defame somebody. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dan on the South Side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dan. What what I don't like about the term fake news is that once it's used, and the way that the president uses it as well as other politicians is that it it they don't have to qualify why they say it's fake news fake news done no more they don't have to point out what the inaccuracies of what someone like a cnn may be reporting or a news outlet may be reporting i say fake news end of conversation done right and and i and I don't have a problem at all with the president disagreeing with news sources and pointing out pointing out inaccuracies or how the story may skew uh, a certain way. But I, I, I think you're dependent. Uh, you have to be. You have to qualify what that means when you say fake news and point out those inaccuracies. Because other than that, it's just a way to. End it. End the story. End the, you're wrong, fake news, done. Who decides that, though? I mean, is that, I guess the that... The president, these, in, these, in this instance, in these instances, it's the president or the person that uses that as a, as a response. Right, so you, you would agree with the idea that it's, it's weaponized. It's yes, been weaponized. Yes. Do you think that the news media plays some role in that, that, that they kind of brought some of this on themselves? Oh, I, I think that they can. I, I believe me. I there is spin in the media mm-hmm. uh, to the left and to the right, without a without a doubt. But I think if you are going to uh, 
if you're going to call out uh, a report or a story that's being fake or inaccurate, I think you have to follow it up and qualify why you say that it's fake. Well, I, I think to, to an extent, and I, I guess because to me, fake news means different things to different people. Um, but I guess, I, I mean, I, I think... I think this is one of the things, like I say, some people, again, want to just narrow the definition of it. I think, you know, if CNN doesn't like being labeled as fake news, then what they need to do is what they have done, as a matter of fact, which is to kind of, you know, fire back and say, no, you know, this is this isn't fake news. Roger in Waukesha. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jim. Hi, Roger. Uh, I just- I just wanted to, to, to simplify the understanding that I have of fake news more from the standpoint when the, the liberal news media can say anything they want, and it seems like the burden to unprove that statement is put upon us that are listening to that. Well, when you say fake news, because that has such a negative and powerful connotation now, it puts the burden of proof for them to prove their statement back on them. Yeah. Prior to this time, we never had anything to combat that with. We right. just had to... Grin and right now, I oh, think. Yeah, no, no, thank, no. I think you're right, right. I think that that's one of the things. This is a way of holding people accountable. Just like I think it's fair to hold the president accountable when he does stuff that you just you kind of wonder, you know, why did you think that this was going to be a? Why did you think that this was going to be a a good idea? Why did you think this was something that you should do? Why did you think it was a good idea to inject the term Pocahontas? Why did you think it was a good idea to send out, you know, pass along the, these tweets showing Muslims committing violence? What what were you hoping to accomplish there? All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a lot of great stuff, including, well, it's getting bloody at ESPN, figuratively speaking. Stick around. It's 227. It's 2.35, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see, Brett Hundley and the Packers are in need of a win this Sunday as they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach Mike McCarthy takes us behind the scenes of the team's preparations tomorrow. 6.25, check out Wisconsin's Morning News. Crew, who's producing the show today and always, are you a gamer? You, you, are you, you play games? Like video games? No, you, you're not into the video game thing. Okay, so were you ever into the video game thing? Middle school and high school, you're saying you outgrew that. Okay. For those of you who are in your 20s and 30s who are doing that, that's my producer, Gru, who just decided to dish you, not me. Um, I, this is, I, I am aging myself. I'm dating myself. I get that. But I can remember, I remember, like, the, the really, the first generation of video games. I remember, I remember, hey, kids, get off my lawn. No, I'm not that, that, not that guy. But I remember when this stuff first came out, and you would actually even like put up a, a plastic screen on the TV set and then plug these things in and, and you, you'd have the, these controllers. I remember, and then, then the big thing was Atari. You know, the, the, it was, and you know, you, you had all the different Atari games that were out there and you'd buy the games and you had these kind of clunky controllers that you'd work with and, um, you know, it, you had Space Invaders and these crude graphics, and you'd have the, the Pong and the, the tennis and things like that. And then, you know, Atari, it, it got people into that. And then now you've got the, the PS4s and you've got the Xboxes and you've got all this different stuff. Um, but interestingly enough, some things never, ever, ever go away. I was reading the story in the New York Times, and actually I saw it in the New York Times the other day, and it inspired me to go out and, and to look 
for this. Now, I haven't thought about Atari in a long, long, long time. But do you know what was one of the best-selling items in early November at Dollar General? Well, if you said the old Atari, you would be right. They sell an Atari gaming console. It's called the Flashback. And you can buy it for like 40 bucks at Dollar General. You can buy it. You can find it at Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, right behind like the oven mitts and stuff. They're, they're selling this, this old game console. And, you know, it, it goes back to like 1972. Uh, the company, that ownership has changed hands. But um, now it, there's these flashback consoles that are built you know, in China, and that they are, they're still being sold. Like I say, um, the the whole thing is pretty much like it always, always was. A lot of them, they're, they're kind of clunky games. Um, there's kind of clunky controllers. They're nothing like the new games that you can find. But still, you, you might get, I, what I'm told is you open up this box, and you'll, you'll find that they've got about 100 games on them. Asteroids, remember asteroids? They've got that. They've got Millipede. They've got Missile Command. They've got Space Invaders. Uh, again, you know, really crude graphics and these type of things. But there is a market for this. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now I understand that in today's day and age, talking about Christmas gifts or everybody wants the newest stuff. Everybody wants the the, the PS four. You know, everybody wants all that interactive type of stuff. Is there really still a niche market for these older type of of games? Or is this just, well, this is just this little fad, and if they're selling it for 40 bucks at Beth ba- ba- Bed and Beyond or Dolly, Dollar General, that tells you it, it's pretty much run its course. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know what? I, I was thinking about this. Now, I did not buy one. But there is a certain value to nostalgia. It's been the I, – I have not – you know, I don't know when the last time I played a video game. I don't have enough time to do the stuff that I, I need to do. And I, I have a feeling if I have a feeling this Christmas, if I came home with, you know, the new PS4, um, my new wife, who I think loves me madly, um, would say, this is how we're starting off our marriage. You're bringing in a PS4. When do you have time for this? You know, we don't have time to do all the other stuff that we actually need to get done. But at the same time, I, I think... While I don't have necessarily the time in my life to learn like the new games and the intricacies of the stuff, I could see on a cold winter night maybe you know firing up a firing up a game of Space Invaders or something something that I know how to play four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Bradley in Green Bay. Bradley, you're in six twenty WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff, how are you? Um, listen, I'm a, a huge collector of. I'll go one step further. I collect the actual arcade machines themselves. Okay. Like the, the, from back in the day. And I'll just say that I, you know, I've been in this hobby, if you want to call it a hobby or whatever, for is uh, probably 20 years now collecting games. And I will say that g- retro gaming is at an all time high as far as popularity again, as far as the comeback around. Uh, games are selling for just crazy, crazy prices again. 
Um, you know, there was a lull years ago, but I think people are starting to appreciate those games that they grew up playing. Like, mm -hmm. I want to relive that. I want to remember that again. You know, I, I well, and again, I mean, I'm trying to think. It, it's sort of easy. I look at okay. I, I look at the games my ten year old nephew plays. And the, the truth of the matter is, they're really, really complicated. You've got to know all these different things. And, and I don't have the time to do that. I, I just don't. But on the other hand, you know, you give me Space Invaders, I think I could probably do it, you know, just to kill a little bit of time. And that was the magic of those games back then. You didn't really even need instructions. I mean, again, talking about a lot of those games were ported to the home consoles, like Pac-Man and, and like right. you mentioned, Space Invaders, Asteroids, that sort of thing. But you could go plunk a quarter in and just play it. You didn't have to say, well, how does this work, and what does that tunnel do, and what is it, you know, it, it just, you could play a frogger and, and not have to worry about it. And now, again, like I said, you're seeing those people that grew up playing those games, and they're like, what did I ever do with my old Atari? What did I do with my Intellivision or ColecoVision? And now they're like, I want to play those games again and relive that memory. Well, plus, I mean, for 40 bucks. Okay, it, it's not such a downstroke. I mean, what, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the PS4 costs three, four hundred bucks, something like that, maybe a little bit more. You know, I mean, okay, I, I, I don't either. I don't know. I okay. have no idea about current stuff. I right. just know the retro stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, thanks to Colbert. I mean, again, it's like okay. I mean, but before I would plunk three, four hundred dollars, whatever it is. I mean, I'd have to think long and hard before I'd plunk that kind of dough down on something like that. But on the other hand, you know, is, is a spot purchase. If okay, for forty bucks. You could get you know a hundred of these different games, and you could kind of hook it up and and take it from there. I, I admit there might kind of be this temptation, and I think there always is this appeal. Again, is, is this going to is this are these type of things going to rocket to the top of the sales charts? Is this going to be what every kid wants under the Christmas tree? Well, of course not. I, I but again for the. You know, for the kind of aging baby boomer who might want to relive his past and, you know, for a downstroke that's not that much, I, I could see, you know, I could see 40 bucks doing that. Mitch in Sturgeon Bay sends me a text. Vinyl records are making a comeback, too, Jeff. The classic nostalgia niche is never going to go away. Yeah, I mean, I understand that there's just people who swear by, by the vinyl. Uh, Steve in West Bend, I play Atari games on my phone with apps. I don't think I would buy the flashback. Right. Well, I mean, again, it's a different experience. Though, when you're again, I, I, I it's it's just this would be for people who want to you know relive their misbegotten boyhood or girlhood. I mean, that's what this that's what this type of thing would be. But I do think, while it's admittedly a niche market, I think stuff like this is never ever ever going to go away. It's two forty four. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 2.46, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Just in time for the holidays, WTMJ.com is giving you a chance to win an authentic NFL game ball. It's autographed by Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. All you have to do is log on to the WTMJ.com contest page, listen for the special keyword in the podcast player, fill out the entry form, and you could be our lucky winner. You can enter daily, but you've got to be 18 to take part. Official rules up at WTMJ.com. All right. Uh, you never, ever, ever, I think, at least I never, ever, like to see people lose their jobs. Um, uh, I tell you, another bloodletting at ESPN, though. Um, now, ESPN, for the longest time, was a license to print money. ESPN is owned by Disney, and ESPN really had the market on sports coverage. 
And what ESPN did is they grew. They have they employ roughly 4,000 people at their Bristol, Connecticut headquarters. They employ about 8,000 people total worldwide. ESPN has fallen onto hard times. What, what happened is that they, um, they started expanding. They started, I think, overpaying for rights fees for some live sports broadcast because it used to be that one of the ways you could – one of the problems that, that networks have – is especially when it comes to TV, you've got time shifting and people, they'll, they'll DVR things and they'll go back and they'll watch it without commercials. Okay, well, advertisers know that. Well, one of the things that people tend to watch live is the live sporting event. I mean, yeah, you might DVR the Packers game, but let's face it, you're, you're going to watch, you're, you're in all likelihood, you're going to watch the Packers game live, which means you're going to watch the commercials. You're not going to go, now you might watch it live and then go back and look at it again, but in general, you know, people tend to watch, this is one type of live programming they tend to watch, so you can charge a premium to advertisers. Well, ESPN just expanded they, I think, overpaid for a number of their rights fees. And in some cases, you can argue that the, the sports, the whole live sports thing is kind of oversaturated. You've got college football on pretty much every night of the week. You've got NFL football on you know, three or four days a week. And people have kind of, you know, it, it's not as unique a thing. On top of that, you've had ESPN getting a little bit political as well. Well, ESPN, as you recall, last April, they, they ended up, laying off um, a hundred of their journalists and their on-air talent. And now today they're announcing that they're dumping another 150 people in various production technology and digital content positions. Um, This is the third mass reduction that they have had, you know, in in two years um, as they decide to, you know, scale back. Part of the other problem, of course, is that more and more people, first of all, there's more different choices that you can have. You know, now you've got like Fox Sports, for example, and they run a lot of the same highlight and commentary shows that ESPN does. On top of that, what you have is you also have people who are, um, because of the Internet, if you want to see highlights of a game, you don't have to wait till Sports Center comes on at ten o'clock at night. What you can do is, hey, it's it's eight thirty in the evening, and you wonder, gee, um, it, it's probably in the third quarter of the Bucks game. I, I'm wondering what's going on. Well, you know, you you can pull out your cell phone, you can internet access, and you can you know see the score and you can see the highlights plays. So you know, ESPN as far as the different. Um, uh, again, the different the highlights and stuff, it's not as significant. So what ESPN has done in an effort to deal with that is they've decided to become more entertainment-y, and that's led to a lot of the political commentary and things like that, which is kind of like spinning this off even further. Alright, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, we only got a couple minutes, but you know, I, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of sports. My wife jokes. People will say, well, what sort of sports do you watch? And she will say anything that is on. I understand. You know, she's finding that out about me. It's one of the nuances that you have as newlyweds and things like that. And and it's true. I, I still love to watch the live sports. But at the same time, there's so much stuff on. There is so much saturation. I find myself watching a lot less ESPN. And candidly, their their efforts to politicize it, um, they're... 
their, their use of political commentaries, their drive towards entertainment is not something that interests me. Now, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm in their demographic. They're looking at it for 25-year-old guys. But I, I just I don't see how ESPN comes back. I'm not predicting that the channel goes away. But this idea of it being the cash cow that it was the cash cow that it was a few years ago, I just don't see that happening moving forward. Are you watching ESPN less now than maybe you did a year ago or two years ago or five years ago? And if so, why? 414-799-1620. Um, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it's gotten political. I think it's gotten too, quote-unquote, entertainment-y. And I think there's just a saturation. There's so much stuff that's going on. But all those different factors, will ESPN become a dinosaur like newspapers have as a result of the Internet? No. But there's a lot of factors, I think, that are out there that are really changing the business model in a way that ESPN was not prepared for. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's a, And it's a huge battle because, like I say, for years and years, ESPN has been um, – well, it's been one of the jewels in the like kind of like the Disney, the the Disney model, and it's it's not delivering that. And like I say, you made bad deals. They they paid a fortune for Monday Night Football. They're losing their shirt on that. Steve in Oconomowoc. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, yeah, Jeff. Um, ESPN has been irrelevant for me for years now. Uh, I, I, if I could eliminate it from my cable package, I would. Um, and it's mainly because the sports that they're focusing on a lot of their attention on are ones that I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. specifically the NBA. I have no interest in the NBA or any of these talk shows around that evolve around the NBA. And it seems like there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. That's, a lot of them is right, yes. Yeah. No, it, no, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's just, it, it is, and... I mean, that's that was one of the things that drove it. They, they said, okay, the, the way we're going to get, the way we're going to succeed is it's going to be in this live sports, sports for the reasons I was talking about earlier, you know, because people will watch it. So they, they paid and they paid and they paid, and now they've got a lot of live sports, and they're having trouble delivering that. Um, interesting, another 150 people losing their jobs at ESPN. I think um, there's going to be more of this, and I, I don't take any pride in it, although there are a couple of those shows, candidly, if some of the people on there with some of their political leanings that they stick into sports, if they lost their jobs, well, I wouldn't necessarily be unhappy. It's 254, John McCure, Melissa Barkley, they're in next. We'll find out what they have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.